Hello and welcome to today's podcast. The website is sacredspacehealing.org. That's sacredspacehealing.org. My name is Amber. I am a Reiki master, teacher and shamanic practitioner. I've been running my own healing practice working with clients around the world since 2008. My work is focused on core wound healing, life purpose work, sacred union work. I'm trained in shamanism, Uzui Reiki, Angelic Reiki, Yoga Nidra, white time healing, multidimensional healing, karma clearing, chakra clearing, and uh, all, all the different facets of energy healing. People like lists, so I've decided to list things off for the next few podcasts because it gives people a sense of surety um, that if so-and-so is trained at Bob's University in Bobville, that they're, they're getting the real deal. Um, and I think sometimes we have to dig deeper than just lists, but I am going to pander to what um, people seem to want uh, to assuage any doubts and any... Um, the trauma it may cause to not have enough information. Today's podcast is looking at the topic of dark nights of the soul and what that actually means and involves. Somewhere in one's healing journey, we hit a point where it feels horrific, where we're in a dark night of the soul, we're, we're in the lower world, we're in the... Um, the shadow. And dark nights of the soul are often feared by many people. So one of the main reasons why people don't want to do healing is they don't want to experience the dark night of the soul. They'd rather keep it at arm's length. They'd rather get drunk and do drugs and have sex and eat lots of food and watch that Netflix box set than actually have to look at their stuff because they fear that they're going to get lost in the dark night of the soul. Um, I don't have a kind of twee, happy ever after definition of dark night of the soul. It goes on for as long as it needs to go on for the individual and for as long as the individual chooses to stay in it. I can't tell you that it's pleasant or palatable or that if you hold a certain crystal or do a certain mantra that it will get better because it may, it may not. It's a process that enlightened souls choose to go on. It's their higher self chooses to take all of their selves on that journey. Unenlightened souls, and I don't think there is such a thing as an unenlightened soul, to be honest. I think that we all have the capacity for incredible knowledge and healing abilities and power and truth and integrity and love but that our egoic selves is what stops us from going to that place because we would much rather be asleep, we would much rather have an easy life. And this desire for an easy life makes us lazy and it means we don't want to do the work and we don't want to experience the dark night of the soul and because we don't want to do that, we never evolve. We stay stuck in a limited, myopic, um, idiotic, really, way of existing, a really idiotic way of existing, if it was to be viewed uh, from, a, from a, like a third perspective, you know, if it was to be viewed by an alien, they'd think we were idiots. Um, I said in another podcast, Stephen Hawking said that the two things that would destroy mankind would be greed and stupidity. Uh, and he's right. So it is, it's our greed for more and it's our stupidity not realising what is of value in life that means that we, we don't evolve. But the, the enlightened 
conscious and uh, spiritual self will choose to go on a dark night of the soul so the soul can grow, so that one's essence can grow, so we can really come into our power. People say this a lot. It's become a really trendy phrase. You know, 10 years ago when I was in Circle starting out on my shamanic journey, it was a phrase that was kind of born in circles at the time. People talked about being in their power, and that phrase meant something. Ten years on, everyone says it. I'm in my power. And they don't even know what that means because power has come to mean ego. Power has come to mean flawless skin. Power has come to mean being a certain size. Power has come to mean sass and attitude and selfies, and it's all bullshit. You know, being in your power is about being your authentic self unapologetically, but it's most importantly about being of service in the world. And as I've said in other podcasts, we cannot be of service in the world until we have tended to ourselves and healed our wounds. And so this is why we have the world that we have at the moment, because not enough people have come to the front line to be of service. And the reason they haven't done that is because many of them have chosen to not go through their dark nights of the soul many have chosen to spiritually bypass um, on their journey sitting around believing everything is love and light if they hold a crystal and om for a bit and although there is truth in the fact that you know our thoughts create our reality it has to be married with action or it is just pure spiritual bypassing uh, at the moment, there are fires raging in Australia, and what's happening to the land is horrific. I saw photos the other day of animals, charred animals, and I was kind of haunted by their look, the look on their faces. Their whole, their homes have been destroyed, and they have been destroyed, um, and they didn't do anything wrong. Their innocence in all of this, and climate change is very real. Spiritual bypassing says all we need to do is send a bit of love and light and everything will change and it won't. You know, it will only change through action that each of us takes and that means each of us having to be really powerfully, viscerally honest with ourselves about where we are when it comes to our caretaking for this planet and for others. You know, how much are we being of service and how much are we just kind of coasting it? That means everything from our consumption levels to, you know, how often do we fly? How often do we uh, use petrol cars instead of electric cars? How often do we create waste? Where do we shop? What kinds of foods do we eat? Are we consuming palm oil? Are we funding um, cheap trade? You know, it's it's across the board questions that we need to ask. And most spiritual bypassers refuse to ask those questions because they refuse to go to their dark night of the soul. They'd rather just om and send love and light to a part of the world that doesn't need love and light. You know, a part of the world that needs our help, our actual help. It needs us to stand up and make our voices heard. And I have said this in other podcasts, you know, love and light won't save the world. Action will save the world. We're past the point of sending prayers. We have to be taking action. The reason why there aren't enough awakened people taking spirit-led action in the world is because they haven't looked at their shit. These are the people that go to spiritual circles and 
you know, they have their hushed voices and their mala beads and their kind of rhetoric, but they they're the people that will fling their stuff in a circle and workshops, will project, will judge others, um, rather than look at their own stuff. I've sat in circle with people like that. I've been at the receiving end of attacks from people like that. I have been a person like that. So I speak from experience, you know. When I first started out, I used to believe that, I don't know whether it was programming or what, what it was for me, but you know, when I went into a circle, a workshop, I had to be on my best spiritual behavior. So I would have, I didn't have like a hushed way of talking. I've always been, I've always just spoken my truth. Um, but, you know, I would have, a, I believed that I needed to have my heart open. I needed to be loving to everyone. And over time I got very burnt. I got, you know, a lot of women were competitive and a lot of bullshit happened in circles and I lost my faith in circles. But then I started running my own circles and I could see the same stuff playing out. And it was really interesting to notice what people think is spiritual as opposed to just being who you are. You know, we are spirit having a human experience. So whatever you bring to the spiritual um, center, to the spiritual circle, like whatever you bring to your spiritual practice is what needs to be brought. Um, People in circles would often project onto others, tell others what to do, try and fix other people because they were being triggered. And the reason they did that was because they couldn't handle looking at their shadow aspect. It reminds me of a story. Um, so I was in a shamanic uh, training workshop. It was it was a long one. It was like three or four days in the woods. And um, uh, I think it was day two or day three, Everyone had gone a bit nuts, you know, we'd all kind of blissed out. So um, some of us had spent the day just kind of hanging out in a hammock and just staring up at the leaves and having this incredible blissed out loving time. And other members of the circle had a lot of energy that they needed to burn off. So some of them took to um, having a mud fight. They basically rolled around in the mud and covered each other in mud. I mean, it wasn't really sexual. It looked quite sexual when I was observing it, but that wasn't what it was about. It was about a kind of release of energy. And they were screaming and shouting and, you know, blah, blah, blah. And there was others of us just kind of lying in a hammock going, that's interesting, but we're quite happy over here. So by the end of the afternoon after our lunch break, they had decided to cover their faces in these sort of... Um, mud tattoos you know like putting marks on their face because they were being proper tribal because they were out in the woods and um, we were preparing to go into ceremony so as we were preparing to go into ceremony it was night time one of the the guys in circle says to me you don't have any mud on your face I think you need to put some mud on your face and I went no it's fine I don't really want to do that and he said no I think you need to you know we've all done it it's part of ceremony. I said, it's not part of ceremony. There's nothing that says that ceremony requires us to do this. Ceremony just requires us to go there ready for ceremony. It's not, it's not a prerequisite. It's not part of the training. And he said, um, why don't you want to do it? And I said, I don't want to do it. It's not something that feels comfortable for me. And he said, well, maybe it would make us feel more comfortable if you put mud on your face. And I looked at my teacher and he just laughed and he said, oh, I, I, I love a good fight. And I said, do I have to? And he went, absolutely not. Do what feels right for you. So to appease this guy, I, I said, fine. And um, actually, I know I'm, I'm mistaken. My teacher did force me to do it. He said, why don't you do it? Um, join in with everyone. It will be fun. 
I've done it, see? And that pissed me off even more. So um, I allowed them, he like put something on my, I said just put it on my forehead, he put this mark on my forehead and then as we were walking to the place for ceremony, I wiped it off and I noticed another girl did the same. And um, the next day in feedback in circle, I brought it up, you know, I said that that something that made me feel very uncomfortable, I know who I am when I'm in ceremony, I know what feels right for me, and to impose something on me because it makes you feel more comfortable goes against spirituality and the nature of this work for me. We agreed to disagree, and he sort of made um, a patronising, mansplaining joke about how it was great to witness my spirit. Isn't it wonderful that I want to do my own thing? But what I took away from that was the realisation that he was a man who, he basically had a nine-to-five job um, working in an office and made a lot of money doing a job that he hated. He was very honest about that. He found his job very boring and very stifling. Um, and he used to come to our shamanic workshops. You know, most of us had, I had a tent that I'd borrowed off a friend and, you know, stuff that I'd got on eBay because, you know, this stuff's expensive and I couldn't really afford it. I was saving up to do these workshops and I was working full time as a healer. So really, I didn't have anything else to fall back on. I didn't have a nine to five job. And he would come to these circles with like a massive yurt that he would put up and a log fire burner and sheepskin rugs and these amazing blankets. I mean, it was clear that he had a lot of money and that for him being in the woods for a few days was a chance to escape the shackles of his life. And hence it made sense that he needed to roll around in the mud and feel wild because he didn't feel wild. He didn't feel expressive in his everyday life. So here he was being triggered by the fact that I was saying, I don't want to partake in this. The moment I said I didn't want to partake in this, he felt like a bit of an idiot. He said he felt uncomfortable. He admitted to me that it made him feel more comfortable if I was in mud so that he didn't feel like he was doing something alien. He was uncomfortable with being in his shadow. And rather than explore what that could be like for him, he projected that onto me. Spiritual Bypassing 101 textbook. This is why we have the world that we have right now, is that so-called spiritual people are spiritually bypassing their own dark nights of the soul. I had a dark night of the soul over that. I really went away and I thought about it and I thought about all the times in my life that I've been bullied into doing something I don't want to do, that men have sought to dominate me, all the times in my life that I've acquiesced to things that I would rather not do. And I really grappled with, you know, uh, what is this telling me about myself? Am I not part of the community? Am I making a stand for my individuality? Like, what is it? It was, I, I really sat with it. I sat with it for weeks afterwards. Um, Every now and then it's still something that I revisit and I think about because for me it holds really, really deep uh, resonances about my own dark nights of the soul. Who, who am I as an individual? Who am I in the collective? You know, who am I when I'm being told to do something that feels wrong in my gut? And ultimately the stuff that he was asking us to do, marking our bodies with mud, it was like a parody of shamanism. It was a parody of like the savages, the shamanic savages. And actually there was a sacredness and a gentleness to ceremony that I wanted to observe that he didn't allow me to observe. Um, that, so there was a lot of layers to that. If we do not look at our dark nights of the soul as, it, as they approach us, right, as that darkness approaches us and says, here I am, we will constantly fling it outwards. The flinging outwards of it means that it becomes manifest in our world. 
Our unexplored dark nights of the soul are at the moment manifest in our world. This is why the world is burning, crumbling. We have the rise of fascism. We have these horrific leaders around the world. We have rising levels of homelessness and poverty. We have incredible pain and suffering in the world. The world is showing us what is unexamined in us, each of us. Each of us needs to take individual responsibility for what is happening in the world and say, how am I contributing to this? What is unresolved in me that is being reflected back at me? Because the moment you resolve your dark nights of the soul, you become better placed, best placed to become of service. This guy, um, I, I mean, I don't have any contact with him anymore, but I do know that he never went on to become a healer. You know, he did the training, but he never went on to become a shamanic healer. You don't have to. He spends his time returning to the woods to help out in workshops, but he's never gave up his nine to five job. Now, I'm not saying that he has to. However, I believe that that unexplored aspect of himself holds him back from truly being in his power and truly embracing what it could mean to truly be of service in the world. Because, of course, it's very safe to be of service in a little workshop that happens, what, you know, every three months where you never have to put yourself out. It's harder to be of service when you're on the front line speaking up and taking action for what needs to happen in the world. Only those that have resolved their own shit are able to do that. I was watching um, parliamentary debate uh, recently, just a clip, and it was really interesting to note the two sides. So on the one side, we had um, the leader of the Conservative Party. On the other side, we had the leader of the Labour Party. And the leader of the Conservative Party was all red in the face, and he was shouting, and he was pointing fingers, and huffing and puffing, and... Um, often couldn't make eye contact when he was being accused of certain things that he couldn't run away from. The leader of the opposition, the leader of the Labour Party, had a real stillness and grace about him. Even when he was being attacked, he never lost his sense of centre. He got enraged about certain things that were happening in the country. He never got personal. He never pointed his finger. He never raised his voice. He never lost his grace. What that tells me is that there's one individual there who hasn't looked at his shit and there's another individual there who has looked at his shit. And I know which of those two leaders is most being of service in the world right now. One of those party leaders disappeared to a private island um, owned by a billionaire for his Christmas holidays. The other party leader helped out in a homeless shelter um, on Christmas Eve. I know who is being most of service in the world right now. And it is the one who doesn't have unresolved shit. It's the one who's looked at his stuff. The dark night of the soul is manna. It's how we grow. We must go there to be a positive contribution to this planet. And if we refuse to go there, if we don't go there, if we project our dark nights of the souls onto others onto the world, uh, if we ignore it, if we bypass it, our world will continue to disintegrate and we won't be left with anything. The website is sacredspacehealing.org.
That's sacredspacehealing.org. Till the next time, so it is and so it shall be.